Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Welcome back to another episode of Sovereign Self. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and today we are going to discuss awakening through everyday life and through mystical experiences. But before we get into that, I would like to invite you to a mystical experience of your very own on Tuesday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern. I have a group that comes together and we work with our gifts, work with our talents, uh, hone and refine our interactions with our guides and our God squads. So I would love for you to come join me in this experience. Tuesday evening, 6 p.m. Eastern, it's $10 to join us, and you can sign up at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash spirit talks one, and that's a numeric one at the end, B-I-T dot L-Y slash S-P-I-R-I-T T-A-L-K-S-1, and I will see you on Tuesday evenings. Today, I have a wonderful guest with me. I am joined by Magic Bernstein, and for nearly 25 years, he has been creating a shamanic container, which catalyzes healing and awakening. He studied with master teachers, elders, kahuna, shaman, and mystics, as well as had the extraordinary... Ah, I can't talk today. <laughs> elders, elders, kahuna, shaman, and mystics, as well as had extraordinary success as an entrepreneur. After moving to Maui, he established the Sacred Voyages, through which he facilitates retreats and personal shamanic guidance. His unique approach is to create and transmit a powerful field of love and truth in which awakening, healing, the mystical, and connection to higher self is exponentially amplified. He does this in part through his shamanic storytelling style, in which he transmits teachings which penetrate deep into listeners, helping them dissolve illusion and awaken to the truth of who they are, their full, authentic, soul-guided selves. This happens in coaching sessions, group teachings, and mystical sacred sites, podcasts, and broadcasts of any kind. He calls this essence of his work a shamanic transition. Transmission. <laughs> shamanic transmission. I will get it out. I will. <laughs> Welcome. I'm happy to have you with me today, Magic. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. Maybe we'll go back and forth and, and, and not be able to speak today. <laughs> we'll take <laughs> it's turns. It's one of those days, right? We'll, <laughs> we'll take turns being tongue-tied. It right. works for me. <laughs> as long as we're not, not tongue-tied at the same time, we'll be fine. <laughs> right. Yeah, we'll be fine either way, actually. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how you came into yourself. Um, you're not typically popped out of the womb as this amazing shamanic transmitting uh, human. <laughs> so what was no. life like before? <laughs> Definitely not. I mean, you know, my childhood was, was challenging. I was uh, not so happy and in a dysfunctional family and uh, quite insecure and lack of confidence. And so my, my foray into spirituality really began as a journey to try to build a better me. I wanted to like improve my egoic level of, of consciousness just to become happy basically. So mm -hmm. I tried the 
techniques and modalities that came out of the human potential movement in the 60s and 70s. I learned and began to master and teach a lot of those different programs. And those eventually led me to some of the first experiences that I had that brought me into spirituality. And in early childhood, I had these sort of moments that weren't so connected. But when I was uh, probably five in first grade, Mm -hmm. I experienced something that I called karma. And I didn't know that word from anywhere. It just like came in and I was like, oh, that's karma. I do something and something you know, comes back to me in a certain way. Yeah, there's a cause and effect. <laughs> yeah, I got that early and I just kept getting those lessons in early childhood. I didn't know there were spiritual lessons at the time. I was just learning. And then in sixth, seventh grade, I started to experience what I called telepathy with my brother. And I would be thinking something that was really random and, you know, from 10 years earlier or something, and then he would say it. Yes. And I started to experiment, like, am I sending or am I receiving? So these were little kind of uh, peaks, I would say, yeah. like into there's something more than what everybody else is saying reality yeah, Exactly. Is. So were you sending or receiving? I have to know. Well, it was both, of course. Yeah. Um, over time, I discovered, oh, yeah, sometimes sending, sometimes receiving. And the, discovering the nuances of which was which was very, very refined. So yeah. I, I was studying really early on, but I didn't think of it that way. You know, it was just what was happening. And I wasn't telling other people about it. Um, it, it seemed a little weird to me. So I just kind of kept it to myself. <laughs> Quiet little experiments of one. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it wasn't really till I got to college and I had my best friend who was also on a similar journey that we started talking about this kind of stuff. And we started practicing astral projection and reading all these interesting books. And I started studying all the world's religions and I wasn't a religious person at all, but I knew in my core that there was some core piece to all the religions that had some truth to it. And I wanted to know what that was. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. My experience of religion is that at its highest and best, it is the path to the personal experience of the divine. Yeah. It, it shows the way at its highest and best. Now, most of the time it's not at its highest and best and right. has been subverted for other purposes. But <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, uh, not a big fan because it's mostly distorted by humans, but in its pure form, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, I think one of the most significant events came when I first went to Hawaii and I was in what the Hawaiians call a heiau, which is a sacred site. It's Mm -hmm. a temple. Although the Hawaiians felt that the land, certain place, all the land is already sacred. So some spots have like a concentrated field of energy. Yes. And those spots they would call temples and they have different energy. Some are about birthing, some are about death, some are about... Uh, awakening, somewhere about healing. They're a concentrated field of these very unique and specific forms. And because the land is already sacred, there's no need to build a temple or a church. It already is it, one. It is, right? just <laughs> yeah. as it stands, exactly. So I was sitting in this very sacred one that this kahuna, who it's, it's, he's the caretaker of it, and we weren't told what kind it was, and we went in at midnight And I was sitting in there doing an open eye meditation with the full moon, the trees blowing in the wind. And all of a sudden, with my eyes open, the whole 
forest, trees, moon, everything in this earthly plane disappeared. And I was in something that I would call a, a city of light mm. or, or a crystal city. I don't really know what it was, but it wasn't here, at least not in this dimension that I'm normally in. Right. And it kind of freaked me out. And so I kind of shook my head and looked around like, am I safe? Am I okay? And I was back, you know, in Hawaii, in the temple, the trees are blowing, the moon is out. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that was interesting. Let me just like relax again. And when we relax and we open up our expanded field of vision, something the Hawaiians call hakalau, mm-hmm. which is where you see all 180 degrees vertically and horizontally all at once without yes. focusing on any one thing, it defocuses us out of the mind and out of like narrowness and into an expanded field of reality that if you get good at it, it can become multidimensional reality, which yeah. is what was happening to me. Exactly. I love that you mentioned this because this is actually a form of, of presence that I've been practicing recently, mm-hmm. is not focusing on an individual single thing, but taking in the entire field of vision. And I find the longer that I work with it, the more field of vision opens up. Totally. And it is a great presencing practice when I have people on my retreats and they're having trouble you know, getting out of their heads. Um, mm. which is not present, uh, I'll, I'll teach them this because it's very difficult to think and to be anywhere but present when you're seeing everything and feeling everything yes. all at once, especially if you're walking or hiking or doing something. <laughs> it's, I remember the first time I tried it, I was hiking on a gnarly trail and I couldn't really see so well. I had to feel my way up the trail and yeah. be so present that I could feel what I was doing. Uh, like the time I hiked inside of a sacred lava tube in the, in the crater at the top of Haleakala, which is the sacred manifestation mountain that formed Maui. Mm. And I hiked inside this lava tube with no light, pitch black, dark, can't see your hand in front of your face. Yeah. And I just practiced feeling and seeing everything beyond my normal five senses. And to be just attuned with my inner guidance, my inner sight, and my ability to feel what was around me. Exactly. And, to feel you know, the would, rocks and the walls. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I would come up to a rock and I would just know there was a rock there. Yeah. And I would go around it. And, and it, ha- it has a, a presence. It has a, an energy to it. If you're exactly. open and observing, you, you will not smash your feet on it. <laughs> If you're present, right? Like yes. you said, the presency practice, like the more present we are, then, and the more embodied we are, the more these, these parts of us come online. Unless, of course, they've been conditioned out of us, which is what happens to so many of us in this Western world is our gifts oh, are conditioned out of us. My goodness, everything gets conditioned out of us. And even childhood traumas will like instantly condition you out. I've, I've got a client Absolutely. right now who who hasn't inhabited her body from the neck down for decades mm-hmm. because of a childhood trauma. And we're just Absolutely. now getting her reintroduced to the fact that, you know what, you can embody, you know, farther down, eventually to your toes, we hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's often, I think almost all of us are disembodied to some degree. Yes. We're, we're out, you know, just outside the body in some way or another or up in the mind. Right. You know, 
And right. uh, the journey is, you know, from up here back down into the body because this is our sensing vehicle. This is our mm-hmm. we're a spiritual being having a physical human experience, and this is our vehicle. Yes. Not the minds. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, and it's it's really interesting to me um, doing the work that I do. I I call it ascension work because that's what people understand and can like put their hands around. But the truth of the matter is, what I do is descension. Exactly. We bring that. your highest self down into your physicality. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, it reminds me. A lot of people, when they want to awaken, you know, part of what we're talking about today is they want to, their idea of it, because it's an idea, Mm -hmm. is the accumulation of something. They want to gain. They want to get blissed out. They want to be, you know, happy. They think that everything I want to have this experience. Yes. And it's actually a demolition job. Awakening is actually the, the releasing the emptying of all of the conditioning, which includes who you are, what your thoughts are, your beliefs, Mm -hmm. your attitude, your approach, everything you've thought you believed about what you are or what the world is all needs to be emptied into the nothingness in order to awaken. (laughs) (laughs) It's an interesting process because you start with throwing away all the things that don't define you. That's the easy part, right? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So all the stuff your mom put on you or your schooling put on you or your partner put on you or whatever, right? You get rid of all of that and it's like, oh, look, there's a me under here. And then you realize that the me under there isn't actually you. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, wow, I, I don't exist. I, I was being taught, you know, these uh, dragonflies were showing up for me when I lived in Hawaii. I still live in Hawaii. When I lived on this little island called Molokai. It's the place that the Hawaiian say sorcery was birthed onto the mm. earth and the heart chakra of the planet, actually. Yes, divine these, magic. <laughs> it's totally. It's the most magical place I've ever been. These huge dragonflies were stalking me, and they would fly up and just buzz right in my face, mm. and then they would fly off, and they would come back right in my face. It's and like, hear people, what we're telling you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were not leaving me alone until I got the message. And it actually took me about 10 years to fully get the message they were receiving because I got at the moment that they were telling me everything is an illusion, right? That's, that's kind of a common message that, yeah. they, that the, the Native Americans say that the dragonfly is bringing. And I got that. I was like, okay, everything is illusion. Everything's illusion. Nothing really exists. It's all illusion. What I wasn't including in that everything was me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because I'm real. Me, yeah, <laughs> I'm real. I have to be real. <laughs> it was ten more years before I realized. Oh, actually, I'm the illusion, including everything else. And, exactly. It uh, was a powerful moment because, you know, as I mentioned, for for a while, I was building a better me, which included like I wanted to have all the things that I've been taught make you happy. You know, I wanted to have wealth, and I wanted to have a white picket fence and the fancy car and you know, the, the partner and the kids and all that stuff that. Yes, 2.5 kids and a dog. Yeah, yeah <laughs> <Yes>. exactly. <laughs> and the thing is, I got most of those things that I really wanted. You know, I, I, out of going to sacred sites and doing the work that I teach, the inner work that I help people with, I was able to create a million dollars out of nothing instantly, just about. And yeah. pretty much anything else I want, I got where I could manifest anything just about instantly. Yeah, well, it's all illusion, so... Exactly. Yeah, and shift that's what it. I thought, it's all illusion, <laughs> so I can just get what I want, you know? 
but I didn't realize at the time that uh, you can never get enough of what you don't really need. Yes, exactly. And this, exactly, this, and, and this, it will never fill the yeah. hole you are seeking to fill. Exactly. The Zen Buddhists call it the hungry ghost. Mm. You know, it's like this ghost inside of you that constantly needs something outside of yourself in order to fulfill you. But the thing is, nothing is everlasting fulfillment. Everything is temporary that you could touch or experience in this third dimensional reality. Exactly. So and anybody you're always going to need something else. Anybody who's done retail therapy knows how very hollow that ultimately is. Yeah. Well, we are coming up on our first break here. Um, and when we come back, I want to dig a little bit more deeply into this world of illusion and spirituality. And, you know, is there a conflict there? How do they mix? How don't they mix? So that's what we'll discuss when we come back from the break. And if you're out there listening to us, well, it's not an if. if you're listening to this. So <laughs> <laughs> grab yourself a pen and paper and acknowledge the places where you've run into the edges of this illusion. Because we've all had these moments where it's like, oh, wait, this is not quite what it seemed to be. Get your pen and paper, acknowledge a few of those to yourself, and hang with us. We will be right back from the break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Hey, beautiful soul. Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Go to TellZofia, that's T-E-L-L-Z-O-F-I-A.com. Drop me a quick note and let me know. How has this show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That's TellZofia.com. Your opinion is critical in informing where I take the show next. Thank you so much and live soul first. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or Amazon Kindle. The Voice America interactive radio player powered by Aircast gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for your iPhone, Android, or Amazon Kindle powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thanks for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and I am here talking with Magic Bernstein. 
And before break, we'd started getting into the illusion of this world that we're living in. And so I'd love to have your take on, you know, how does this 3D world mix with spirituality? Is there a conflict for you? Just to unpack that a little bit for us. What, the thing that I have found most interesting and at first most confounding <laughs> is that uh, my experiences, and I try to only speak from experience um, rather than something I read or somebody else said. So I, I may or may not be right. It's just my experience. Right. <laughs> um, it, it, that is that we live in a world of paradox. So everything is an illusion. And all of this is temporary. And because I'm spirit and I'm infinite and I don't die because I'm infinite. Right. I was never born. I will never die. Nothing in this realm matters because it's all temporary and I am not temporary. And I am unconditional love. And therefore, there's no good, there's no bad, there's no right, there's no wrong. And Everyone matters. is in innocence and it's yeah. all the perfect experience that we came here to have. And yeah. some spiritual teachers stop there. And that's the teaching. Right. Well, because that's like simple and tidy. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so take it to its next logical step. <laughs> right. My experience is that at the exact same time, seemingly mutually exclusively, I was born mm -hmm. and I will die. Yep. And things in this realm do matter. And if, if you were here in the same room with me right now and you punched me in the face, it would matter. Absolutely. And even yeah. though we're not in the same room, if I energetically <laughs> punch you in the yeah, face, it exactly. still matters. <laughs> yeah. And so the, thing that, the, the one thing we're guaranteed of when we are born into this reality there's really only that I've thought of, maybe somebody else will come up with something else sometime, but there's one thing that we know is going to happen, and that is we're going to die. Yep. Death is a loss. It's the loss of our life in human form. Yes. And the longer we live, the more death we're going to experience in a variety of forms. So not just the physical death of people that we care and love about, yeah. but the death of everything, like this pen will end. Yes. You know, all my exactly. relationships will end. Everything I've ever touched, cared about, seen, all of it ends. Everything ends. So one of the most important factors in life that is what do we do with loss? And it is actually a possible doorway into sitting in the very place where we can sit where we are we are infinite and we are finite. All we are never born, time. we never die, and we we are born and we do die all at the same time. Can we, can we have the, the, the place where the as above, which is that vertical, that mm -hmm. divinity that we are, and the so below, which is the horizontal human plane, that place where they're both coexisting at the same time. Loss is the doorway into that because as a human being, we're going to experience loss. We've lost our divinity, our oneness in a sense because we've individuated. Yes. We've separated from divinity to become an independent form. Now, it's not actually true that we're separate, but it also is true that we're separate, right? Yes, it, it, it is an immersive experience while we're here. Right. <laughs> so all of our experiences of separation are losses. Mm. Every one of them from conditioning to judgments to fears to doubts to 
just feeling like you're not divinity in any given moment. It's right. all a loss. Well, and even feeling superior to other people. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the list that you, everybody's like, oh yeah, all the negative stuff. But even the happy stuff is just the flip side of that. And it still contains loss, it which does. is why a lot of times when you're in a happy space, you're waiting for that other shoe to drop. <laughs> all states whether they're, quote, positive or negative, are simply temporary conditioned states of reality. They're not yeah. the absolute undifferentiated reality that we actually are. So exactly. they all come and go. They all lost. We lose happiness. We're upset. You know, we lose uh, someone that we love and we're upset. So the key for me to, to, to stay in connection with, that pinpoint center place that we're talking about is grieving. Mm -hmm. So my definition of grieving is loving loss exactly the way it is. And when I say love, I mean unconditional love, which yeah. doesn't mean you like it, doesn't mean you want it, doesn't mean you condone it, has nothing to do with any of those things, which some people, because most of the, the love we've been taught in, in the world is conditional love. So for a lot of oh, people, yeah. they don't even, they don't even, they can't even actually know what unconditional love is yet. They haven't experienced it. And when I talk about love, they have a very hard time loving Hitler or loving the politician they don't like yes. or loving the, the terrible things, quote unquote, that are happening in the world because they think that means they like it or they condone it or they want it. Or that it. it's okay or, or whatever. Correct. Exactly. But, but everything already is unconditional love. It's just been distorted or conditioned. So when we unconditionally love it, we help return things to their natural form. Yes. When we unconditionally love our loss, loss, it heals, it releases, it returns. Loss is just a ball of unconditional love with these like feelings All, around it. Yeah, glommed around it. Yeah. Um, so we love it, that stuff melts away, and then it's just love. And that's what we are. Yeah. And that, that's an interesting challenge and one that I actually put to myself periodically and more frequently since our more most recent round of elections. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there seem to be unlimited opportunities suddenly to <laughs> practice loving unconditionally. Um, there is. I myself, um, when Donald Trump was elected, I, he wasn't my... Uh, person, and I was uh, I was pretty affected by it, and I I made a practice that that was when I realized oh yeah there's another place that I'm not unconditionally loving, yes, and so and it was a practice and it wasn't easy it was no. not easy to love our parts our our self judgment our our pain the things that happened to us when we were children exactly our trauma I mean part of my work when I work with people. I transmit unconditional love into them and it goes inside and it hits the places inside of them that they're not loving the yeah. wounds, the trauma, the history, and it helps them to begin to love those places. And anything yeah. that we love, it heals. Truth emerges. Absolutely. We become whole. So we just need to learn to love everything for years. My only intention in the world is to love everything and everyone including every part of myself in every moment all the time. Yes. I, I have a little trick that I share with my clients because when you start with 
you know, a politician you don't care for or somebody who is on the opposite side of a heated political or religious issue. Um, it can be challenging to get there. And so I, I tell them, don't start there. Put, the, put that off to the side for the moment. Mm -hmm. And I want you to start where it's easy to love. I want you to start with your newborn baby when it's first placed in your arms. I want you to start with that dearly loved pet that can do no wrong in your <laughs> eyes. Okay, start there. And then once you've got that love going really strongly and really beautifully, then send it to somebody you're neutral about. Your, your postal character carrier or your checkout clerk at the grocery store, somebody that, you know, doesn't matter that you don't have any particular feelings about. Send the love to that person. And once you're able to send that love to those people, then work up to the people that you have conflicts with, that you have differences with. Yeah, of course. Um, I have a similar check. Of course, usually I'm, I'm working it on the inside. I kind of feel like yeah. everything's an inside job. If I love mm -hmm. the parts of me that I don't like, then eventually it will, will eliminate everything that I'm just liking out here. Exactly. So I help people well, track. Uh, I, I find that that's like the fourth step in the process. Once you can love somebody that you have a difference with, loving yourself becomes easy. <laughs> yeah. <it's> <laughs> because that's the, hardest, that's the hardest aspect for most people. Of course. Yeah, we all have different approaches, right? Mine's, mine's just to go right to the heart of the matter, track inside their energy field, the thing that they are, have been most dissociated, most staying away from. Yes. And then through my transmission and channeling and space holding of unconditional love help them to go in and love that and it is steps sometimes and one mm -hmm. of the things when people can't do it especially because i'm asking them to unconditionally love not yeah. conditionally love i'll do the pet trick you know like mm -hmm. think about your pet sometimes that's conditional right because if the pet became a monster right. i might not love it anymore right but it's okay it's a good transitional trick to get them in that space to be able to begin to love it. Yeah, to be able to set that vibration. I find that vibrational states um, are easier to achieve when you have something you can, can tag it to, if that yeah, makes relate sense. To, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's good practice. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So how do you reconcile being a spiritual being in this three-dimensional world where, you know, even after you've awakened and awakened for maybe the fourth or fifth time, <laughs> you, you still have to get up and go to work and put dishes in the dishwasher and pay your bills. And it's not really practical or feasible to retreat to the top of the mountain necessarily. Yeah. I mean, firstly, I think this is true for you too. I think that's what you were saying, but I want to just say that I'm awakening. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I am not awakened. I'm awakening. It's a constant process for me. There may be some people that are awakened. I don't know. But I know for me, it's a process. Yeah. And um, being in the world, I mean, I, I have, I'm, I remember lifetimes of being in the cave and being a monk. And it certainly, in some sense, was easier than the path that I'm on now and, and you are and, and many of us are now because now it's time for us to wake up in our lives. Yes. It's time for us to wake up in, in this physical world and not just to retreat where we remove ourselves from all the stimulation yeah. and do it 
do it in a cave where it's like, you know, when I'm not in relationship with anybody, life is actually pretty easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's pretty easy to love people who don't, uh, who don't leave their dirty socks on the floor yeah. for the 14,000th time. And <laughs> right. when, when yeah. there's no mirrors showing up yeah. to show me my own woundedness. So I, my approach is that everything that's happening in the world, everything that's happening around me is if there's any trigger that I have around it, if I'm upset in any way, if I'm frustrated, irritated, anything, then there's something in my own conditioning. There's some piece that needs my unconditional love. Mm -hmm. And so my practice is to just keep loving whatever's arising inside of me in reaction to the world. And the more that I do that, the less reactivity I have in the world and the less that there's any difference between this world and spirit, as you say, like this is spirit. This is God. Everything is God. There's no like, Oh, how do I be here in this world? uh, When I could be with God, like I am with God, you're God, the computer's God, the room is God. All of it is. And some of it is, has been for me, the practice of sitting with the ordinary, like Mm -hmm. sitting like I've had a lot of mystical experiences in my life. I've, I've had hundreds and hundreds of experiences just in a few cat, just in shape shifting and being in two places at once and invisibility. My life is like a Carlos Castaneda novel times a thousand, <laughs> you know, but, but the real mystical experiences that were the most potent are the ones that happened in ordinary reality. Yes. You know? It's like in the subtleties of the moment, like, all of the universe, all of existence is available in this moment right now if I just actually become totally present. There is no future or past or God or not God, human or divinity or any separation whatsoever when I'm actually fully embodied, unconditionally loving what is in the moment. Yes, exactly. It's a beautiful space to get to, but an interesting trick to maintain. (laughs) I don't want to present this like this is all a bed of roses because it's quite the opposite. I mean, what this means, you know, some of my my friends and my my students, they're like, I I can't do what you do. Because like what that means for me is like sometimes there's days where I'm crying all day. There's days where I'm feeling pain, feeling fear, reliving childhood trauma, reliving past life trauma. I'm actually in there loving it totally and completely. And when I love it, unlike when you spiritually bypass something, when you spiritually bypass something, you take love and you replace the, the, the pain with love. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't heal. It just represses Right? Yes. So you, current, you currently feel better, but the, the way that it's running your psyche and your attitudes and your approach is still in there driving the bus. There, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but when you infuse the wounds, when you infuse the trauma and you infuse the conditioning with love, you, you send it into it with intention for it to become more real, for it to become yes. more alive, to give it permission to exist. Most people want to bury their past and they never want to see it or get, and they're just doing exactly. everything they can to avoid yeah. everything. As opposed to giving it all the room and space that it needs and witnessing. Right. Yes. Waking up is waking up to reality. Right. And reality is that all of my history is stored in this energetic field right here and it's running my life. And it's running it because I haven't been, I'm not one with it. 
I'm separated from it. Yes. I've been trying to cope with it, get away from it, repress, suppress, and have fun. We're so like, you know, our culture is so trained to, you know, seek pleasure, seek good experiences. And that's a surefire recipe to stay asleep and create suffering. Well, and to remain unhappy. The, the pursuit Absolutely. of happiness is one of the most misery-causing misery things that we actually do. <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> well, well, we are coming, we're coming up on our break, so we'll dig into this a little bit more after we come back. Uh, if you're out there listening to us, spend a few moments with your pen and your paper and acknowledge some of the places that you may have been trying to avoid, ignore, or... Uh, quiet down through some other means and hang with us. We'll be right back from the break. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Hey, beautiful soul, Sophia Renea Morales here. I've been doing Sovereign Self for over a year now, and I would like to hear from you. Tell me what you want to hear in coming shows. Leave a quick voice message at 520-261-6827. And let me know, how has the show supported you? Where should we go next? Or are you perfectly content with where we're going at the moment? That number, 520-261-6827. Thank you so much for your feedback. It's crucial in informing where I take the show next. Thank you, and go out and live soul first. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Welcome back from the break. This is Sophia Renee Morales. Thanks for hanging in with us. And I'm here speaking with Magic Bernstein. And before we went to break, we were discussing spiritual bypassing and how to avoid doing that and actually begin to heal and accept yourself exactly as you are, love yourself exactly as you are. And when you manage that, how do things shift for you? When you love things exactly the way they are? Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, like I was saying before the break, for one, there's going to be some time that one will need to spend being with it, which at first is uncomfortable because we have resistance 
to actually feeling pain and fear and anger and things like that. Well, and we've been kind of programmed that it's a bad thing. I mean, because what what do you do with your two-year-old who's experiencing fear or frustration or anger or whatever? It's like, well, you need to calm down and you need to put that away and you need to, you know, go down this road that we're hurting you down. We have been completely and totally browbeaten that our emotions, including our happy emotions, by the way, but pretty much all of our emotions are not okay. Yes. And so uh, almost everyone I've ever worked with has some level of resistance to feeling, especially the so-called negative emotions. And the thing is, is that that affects your experience of them. Mm -hmm. So my experience is that when I take out the judgments that this is a good or a bad emotion, Right. And I just experience it through unconditionally loving it. It actually feels good to feel anger, pain, sadness. It doesn't matter what it is. When we become so intimate with ourselves, when we become one with our emotions, because there is no resistance, there is no judgment that they're good or bad, it feels good to be that real, to be that embodied, to be that present, to be that here that feels empowering and good. So your whole life changes when you actually show up in this vehicle and you're here. And then we stop getting scarred and and wounded by what's happening to us. And it simply heals and dissolves. And those scars stop running our current reality. Mm -hmm. We stop being reactive. We start we stop judging. We and and everything becomes what I would say is is peaceful. I got off the roller coaster. I used to be very moody. You know, one day I'd be happy, one day I'd be sad, one day I'd be angry. It was just all over the place. When I began to unconditionally love everything as it is, that all shifted. And it just became one, like yeah. one peaceful reality. Well, so true I, peace is really I, the answer to your question. True peace. Yeah, I've, I've started observing in myself and in other people, because I do a lot of healing work in my practice as well, um, that the emotion is not the problem. It's what we do with it. This is the stories that we attach to the things that have happened to us that create the wounding and the, the conflict and the unworthiness and all of the other garbage that goes along with that. The, the emotion's not the problem. And even the, the event that triggered it all is not actually a problem. Is what no, we not, did afterwards. <laughs> yeah, nothing's actually a problem, of course. The, the way I kind of see it is that um, there's, there's a root injury where something happened to us which we either perceived or was not out of unconditional love, out of right. divinity. When that occurred, it created a, a wound, a hurt. Yeah. And it's, that's like the roots of a plant. And out of that root grows the sprouting of feelings, thoughts, judgments, all these different things that you talk about that we experience. They're just the flowering Mm -hmm. that if you treat at the level of emotion, like emotion is just emotion. It doesn't matter. Thoughts are just thoughts. They don't matter. So you can either just take your attention off of all of that, disidentify with it and identify with the love that you are, and then none of it matters. Or you can trace down the, root, the stem to the root, find that core wound of separation, bring love to it, bring presence to it so it can heal, and then the whole thing just doesn't exist anymore. Yes. And there is no 
thoughts and feelings that are negative anymore. And the thoughts and feelings that we do have are just clouds in the atmosphere of what is exactly. and don't matter until we contract <laughs> upon them as if they're real and they matter. Mm. So you mentioned earlier you've had a lot of different mystical experiences and this sort of thing. I know many people experience having a spiritual counsel or guides. Are you connected in that way also? You know, I... It's quite a long answer. <laughs> Mostly I have what I call my higher self or my inner guidance, not inner guides, but inner right. guidance, which is the same thing as my higher self. And I, I really just try to stay in, in, in oneness and connection with that and because I know that is pure source exactly. rather than have to sort out a bunch of beings that are typically on the second physical or astral plane which mm -hmm. isn't a non-dual plane. It's a plane that does have right and wrong and good and bad and can be distorted by filters and personalities. Right, so and, and it, hidden agendas and all kinds yeah. of stuff. Exactly. So I keep it pretty pure and simple. You know, nothing wrong with people who are or connecting with angels and ascended masters and enlightened beings. And, and I have had those experiences. I have a, I have a beautiful relationship with St. Germain. I take people to, to Mount Shasta, St. Germain is an ascended master that dwells on the slopes there. I've had healings with St. Germain and experiences and downloads, but those are not my primary go-tos. Right. You know, when they show up, it's beautiful. In Hawaii, sometimes ancient kahuna and you know, ancient beings will show up or the Great White Brotherhood, which is an ascended master team of healers. I have those experiences, but I don't seek them. And um, they're, they're not the place that I really put my attention, even though they right. show up at times. Yeah, I, I find that I, I prefer to reach for the highest vibration I can find in that source. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it, it does, it, it keeps all of the, what do I want to say, etheric politics out of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't have to sort through anything or try to figure out, like, is that really? Or, you know, yeah, exactly. Like, wait, wait, which team do you bat for? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when I was in, I taught in a mystery school, a mystery meditation school, and one of the things we taught is we were teaching people how to go into different planes and levels of existence, and, and we called it like levels of God. Mm -hmm. And pretty much everywhere was okay. And we taught many, many levels. We had a map that we showed, but the one place that we kind of had a rule against going to was that second physical or astral plane. Yeah. Because it's so much like this world, which this world is very difficult to navigate. Oh, um, yeah. And there is and, a lot of weirdness going on in the astral. But the astral is like this world, except it doesn't have the same rules and laws of science. So, you know, shape-shifting and, you know, like uh, disappearing, appearing, seeming like this, like that. It's a lot of trickery and it's yeah. way harder to sort through, actually. It is. It's, it's really hard to discern what is pure and good and <laughs> yeah. what is not. Right. <laughs> I'm with you. We're singing from the same nymphal. <laughs> I, I like the way we are quite resonant with uh, what we talk about and, and have experienced. So tell me a little bit about how you're putting your work out into the world now. Yeah, so I'd say there's like three primary ways that I um, interact with the world and my work. Way number one is I do private shamanic coaching sessions. They're on the phone. They're an hour and a half long. I have a certain small 
uh, amount of clients that I'm willing to take on on a continuous ongoing basis. And it, it stays pretty full. Mm-hmm. And I love that practice. I get to see people week to week and what happens. And usually I tell people, have one session with me. And whatever you're working on, if it's not radically different after one session, we may not want to keep working together because usually yeah. it doesn't matter. I've had a schizophrenic who's been schizophrenic for 10 years come to me. We did one session and it's gone forever. Yeah. I've had someone with, term, not terminal, but with brain cancer and an and inability to function. Mm-hmm. We did 30 minutes together and they started functioning again and the tumor was half its size the next visit. Yeah. So the work is powerful. So I do that. And then I do custom private retreats where people will travel to where I am or where we've decided to meet, which would be Hawaii, Mount Shasta, Sedona, or someplace like that. Yeah. And we'll do whatever we decide because we customize it. We might do one day together. We might do a week together. It could be a single person or a family or a small group. And we're, we're there all day together. Usually I do those in places where there are vortexes. Yes, which is why Sedona or Hawaii or Manchester. Right, exactly. yes. <laughs> and specifically places where there are not just vortexes, because I've been to hundreds of vortexes at this point around the world, but very specific kinds of vortexes. Mm. The places that have a variety of specific and unique concentrations of energy so that depending on what the client needs, we go to that spot. Right, and they get exactly what they need. Right, and you know, since 1996, I've been working with Kahuna that take people to these sites. People sometimes who are not public figures who are radical, you know, beings, you sit, stand next to them and it's like you're standing next to like a power line and it's vibrating and everything yes. is shaking and High they, walk into a, yeah, <laughs> they walk into a room and everyone in the room stops what they're doing and just stares at them. Uh, who trained me about these sites and how to actually be one myself. Yes. And when we go to one, how to open those up. Ultimately, my work, even when I take people to sacred sites, is to teach people that you are the sacred sites. Absolutely. But for some, that's a little deeper level. And then the last thing that I do, uh, well, let me just back up. When I do the one-on-one work, mm-hmm. sometimes it's more like what therapists do where we just kind of work on whatever's happening. Yeah. But I also have apprenticeships and mentorships, which are specific. Oh, like, are you wanting okay. to learn to be like a, a medicine man kind of person or whatever? Yeah. So then that would be, you know, this apprenticeship. If you want to learn to embody unconditional love and live truth and inner guidance in every moment of your life, that would be a mentorship. Right. I also do group retreats, although I'm not doing them in this moment because we're in a little bit of a crisis right now. Yeah. With the, the COVID <laughs> The virus. COVID, yes. yes. <laughs> but normally, several times a year, I do an open public group retreat where 15 or so people fly in from around the world. We stay in a retreat center. We're together 24-7. And each day we go out to sacred sites. And each day there are teachings and transformations. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, I'd say... Anytime I'm working one-on-one with people, I, I really invite people to bring the thing that they've never been able to transform. And I don't really care whether it's in the material world or the spiritual world. Yep, exactly. Because, yeah, the symptoms yep. show up yep. whatever level they show up. <laughs> exactly. So just bring the thing that's plagued you your whole life, the thing you've never been able to change, shift, whatever it is. Almost guarantee you it's going to change pretty quickly when you work with me. And then we're going to get on to what your soul is really there for. Yes, exactly. And, and so I, when people come on retreat with me, you know, they, they, they make a million dollars. They, you know, they find their soulmate, like almost every time, like people come, they find their soulmate. They, they heal from debilitating or even terminal illness. Yeah. Um, they have an awakening. Like, 
it just happens. Absolutely. I feel so blessed. It's, it's just amazing what this kind of work can do, which is why I'm oh. excited to have you with us here today. You brought a gift for the listeners. Would you like to share your gift? I did. I have kind of a gift and a half. So okay. <laughs> um, the first gift I have is that I do a weekly talk. It's a free talk. Uh, sorry, not weekly, monthly talk. It's a free talk. I usually do it on a Tuesday night. I pick a, a topic that I think is interesting and people would like to hear about. And I give a free talk for an hour about it. And I'd like to invite anybody that's listening to attend that talk. And you can yeah. find it at sacredvoyages.com yeah. forward slash. You, 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 you will find, yeah, you okay, will find yeah, it actually. Find it wherever you find you it, will so. find it at sovereignself.media. Right. <laughs> and you, you can also get onto uh, Magic's um, mailing list. I don't know where that word went on me. Onto Magic's mailing list if you're interested in upcoming like group retreats and that sort of thing. As the COVID allows, you <laughs> will uh, yeah. send out announcements when that becomes available again because group work is such a phenomenal thing in my experience. I mean, not that one-on-one -on -one is not powerful, but when you bring together the intention of the group, oh my God. <laughs> I, if anybody ever asks me, you know, what should I do? And if they have a choice of anything, it's always do the group experience because the power, the amplification of all those people, it's incredible. And I never have a plan or an agenda and a, a schedule when I lead a retreat. I just show up every single moment and I tune into who and what's there. And it's so rich. And there's just so much that happens with the reflections and the power of all these people coming together. And on the group retreats with me, the people are typically friends for life. They've, they've yep. bonded in this incredible experience. There's so much unconditional love. Absolutely. And, and they get to see, by the way, because yes. you know, it's one thing for me to tell you that, that I've shape-shifted. But yeah. then on the it's retreat... It's a whole other thing to see it happen. Yes. Uh, or, yeah, or to, or to see one of their friends who's on the retreat who's like, I just had this experience. You know? Yeah, and, exactly. It more real. Thank you so much for joining us today, Magic. We're out of time on our segment, uh, but I have really enjoyed speaking with you. It's been great to be here. Thank you for having me. And a quick reminder, Tuesday evenings, you can join me for the Spirit Talks development experience. Uh, just go to bit.ly slash spirit talks, S-P-I-R-I-T-T-A-L-K-S, numeric one. And uh, we'll go mystical together. <laughs> and until next week, go out and live soul first. Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Please join host Sophia Renea Morales again next week, right here 